Welcome to the official, unofficial podcast dedicated to Eastern Washington athletics. This is the Eagles Power Hour, an affiliate member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Introducing your hosts, standing at a staggering 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's just that idiot who thinks it's a great idea to paint his chest in 10 degree weather for an Eastern Washington football game. Now, based out of Houston, Texas, Kyler Neal. The other host is a local firefighter. He saves kittens by day. Talks EWU sports by night. He is six foot two without heels and has a vertical of 32 inches. Based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yours and my favorite Eagles Power Hour host, Rusty Kramer. Without further ado, here it is the greatest podcast in the big sky the Red Turf Repping Eagles Power Hour. We are live welcome back to another episode of the eagles power hour i am your host as always kyler neal rusty is out saving some people from fire so he is busy but we got a lot of things to cover actually it's not even that much uh basketball season is completely over we already dove into a lot of things that's happening with the men's basketball program with david riley really having to grab a whole bunch of different players and um, you know, try and see if we can keep some. Who are we going to get from the portal ourselves? Um, so David Riley's got his hands cut out for him. But we're going to have him on the podcast in the near future. I'll at least say that he is willing to jump on our podcast to talk about everything that's going on. But right now, we are not a priority and we shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> just because he's got a lot on his plate and he needs to capitalize on this really short turnaround time. Um, you know, having what seven players in the transfer portal is difficult for any single team. So he's, he's got a lot to work out, but we're going to be happy to have him on whenever he gets the opportunity, but we got some football to talk about. This is still football season. It's so weird. It's spring, it's spring and it's towards the end of spring, you know, Easter just happened and we have football. We still have football to talk about. We are getting really close to the playoffs. It's, it's weird because playoffs are going to start in April and guess what? We we normally start in you know November. It's normally cold weather. It's gonna be nice and hot. It's it's a gonna be a weird, interesting time. But yeah, so Eastern Washington, we took on UC Davis this last weekend. Now UC Davis was ranked number nine in basically the official committee's bracket. So this is their polls that they put out. They they rank their top ten teams. These are all teams that they think we're going to be the top 10 in the playoffs you know if you are ranked in the top 10 in the committee's eyes you are going to be in the playoffs as long as you continue to win well uc davis was ranked number nine and i mean when you look at the resume i had no arguments for it they, they should have been ranked above eastern washington until eastern washington proved it which they totally did this last saturday and we will recap the game but uc davis coming into this game they had a very close win again or a very close loss against weaver Weaver is their number, what, tied for fifth team in the committee's eyes. Um, they're the number two team in the stats poll, I believe. But they had a very, very close loss against Weaver, which they were kind of controlling most of the game. So UC Davis was number nine in the committee's eyes. They were most likely going to be able to go to the playoffs if they got past the hurdle that was Eastern Washington. And Eastern Washington was already on their last line. If they wanted a chance at the playoffs, they had to go in this game 
they had to prove that they wanted it. And Eastern Washington wanted it. I mean, I know UC Davis wanted it too, and I really hate that that notion. Oh, this team wanted it more than the other. They both want it. It's just one team played better than the other on the game that the or the day that the game was there. I'm not even going to say Eastern Washington's a better team than UC Davis right now. I mean, I they, they kind of proved it, but UC Davis is a very good team. And it's not to say maybe if this game wasn't played the week prior or next week, maybe UC Davis could have won. You know, that is the thing. But Eastern Washington came into Davis, California, and we won. The score was 32-22. And I will be honest with you guys, this wasn't this wasn't that close of a game. It definitely did not feel like a 10-point game. <clears throat> I mean, Eastern Washington started with a 16-0 lead at halftime. Then UC Davis kind of clawed back in the third quarter where they scored 15 points in the third quarter, which is pretty impressive. But that that still only put it within one possession game. And then, of course, Eastern Washington scored a couple times in the fourth quarter, and they ended 32-10 for a 10-point win. The, the offense looked really good because UC Davis is a very strong defense. The defense is what I was pretty proud of. Um, Eastern Washington right now, ranks in the big sky like number two or number three in total offense number two in scoring defense which means you know we are behind weber in defense with the big sky uc davis is a very strong offensive team we were able to hold them to you know 397 yards which that's not amazing numbers but that's their total total yards we were able to hold them under 400 um the cool thing was we were able to hold them to 22 points and that's what really matters in my eyes it's are you able to control the game and not let the other team score if you're willing to keep a team under 22 24 points a game well if you're eastern washington you have a pretty good chance to to win at the end of the day and i think eastern washington this is one of their better scoring defenses that we've had in the last 10 years you know 2010 was better 2018 was better uh, but we're holding teams under 23 points a game. We're also scoring 40-something points a game. So if we can continue to do that, we should be able to make a deep run in the playoffs as long as we get over the hurdle that is Idaho. But let's break down a little bit more of the game. Um, another interception was thrown. So Eric Berrier now has, what, six or seven on the season. Uh, but he threw four, 30 for 41, 392 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. And when you look at this game, Eric Berrier, he he's so fun to watch. We have never had a true quarterback like this. Now, you know, some people compare him to Vernon Adams. I don't think that's a good comparison. They are two different quarterbacks. Vernon Adams would, you know, scramble in the pocket just as good as almost anyone. But he his arm was his main playmaking ability. Eric Berrier, it is his legs. I mean, he still has a very strong arm. He's still a very good thrower. But the ability to extend plays with his legs is second to none. I don't think I've ever seen anyone do what he's able to do. I mean, there were so many times in this game where the defensive line for UC Davis was able to get through our offensive line, and they put Eric Berrier in horrible situations. But, you know, he either felt them breathing right on his you know left shoulder or something. He was always able to spin out, run about 10 yards away from the, you know, in the backfield, um, able to scramble, able to get down the field. I think he had, you know, over 40 yards rushing. Um, but I would imagine if you just only took his yards from scrambling in the pocket, he ran well over 150 yards, uh, this last weekend. It was, 
it was impressive to watch. I mean, you could just see the frustration in UC Davis's lines eyes, you know, cause they get through our offensive line. They actually played really good against our offensive line. They were getting through. It almost seemed like at will, but none of them could catch Eric Berrier. Even if they were hands on a shoulder, they could not catch Eric Berrier. It was, it was impressive watching him extend those plays. And then of course, Limu Jones, I mean, uh, one hell of a game, 10 receptions, 154 yards, two touchdowns. He's going to be our player of the game right now. Limu Jones, I mean, he is a physical threat. I mean, if you are in the FCS, good luck trying to guard this kid as a wide receiver. He is 6'5", 220, 225, something around there. I mean, how many wide receivers are that big of a target? And, you know, he's had 40 receptions in five games. Um, 580 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, his average, you know, yards per reception is almost 15 yards. He's just a huge target and he can run. He's fast. It's not like he's not fast either. You know, he's had a 77 yard passing, you know, uh, reception this year. He is an absolute beast. And last year he had 24 receptions, 577 yards, 24 yards, a reception. It is pretty impressive to see what this kid is able to do. But we were out Andrew Boston this last game. Andrew Boston is definitely a, a playmaker, and he takes more DBs um, off the field. Um, so hopefully Andrew Boston's back in this next game. But yeah, hats off to Eastern Washington versus UC Davis game because this was a game that we needed to win. If we wanted any shot at the playoffs, this is a game that Eastern Washington needed to win. And you know what? We totally did. So I was really happy watching how we played. We came in there. We really showed no doubt. We are the better team. And, you know, it, it kept our playoff hopes alive. The defense played outstanding. UC Davis is a strong team. Hunter Rodriguez threw only 50%, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Hunter Rodriguez is an athlete, too. So it was, it was pretty good seeing how he was able to uh, be contained, our defensive line, our defensive line just looks incredible. I'm, I'm really happy with how our defensive line is playing because they were one of the, the question marks I had in the preseason. And they continue to do a good job containing people. They continue to do a good job doing what they need to do to stop the run. You know, um, UC Davis was without Alonzo Gilliam. And that that is probably a, a difference maker. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, Gilliam is such a stud. And if he was in the game... Maybe, maybe they're able to pull it off. Maybe they're able to make it a little closer. I mean, as a rushing team, they did not, they did not run the ball bad. I mean, they had 42 carries, 218 yards and a touchdown. They didn't run the ball bad. And they had what, six, seven different people that actually, you know, grab the ball and try to run it. So, um, yeah, they, they are a solid team. And if you Lonzo Gilliam was there, this could have been a different game. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you, but he wasn't, and you play with who's in front of you. And also, Andrew Boston wasn't in the game for us. So there are differences. Um, but yeah, we went to UC Davis. We Unfortunately for UC Davis, we ended their whole season. Because um, Cal Poly opted out after Eastern Washington dethroned them. After that, what, 62-10 to 10 win? Uh, we made them quit their season. And UC Davis was supposed to play Cal Poly this weekend. But since Cal Poly canceled... UC Davis has no more games. So Eastern Washington now in the last two weeks has ended two team seasons. UC Davis has no chance for the playoffs at three and two. 
And without that extra game, they, they won't be able to get to four and two. So unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, Eastern Washington has already ended two seasons this year. Hopefully we can end Idaho's this weekend and then in the playoffs end a couple more. That's the goal. That's what we're going to do. But let's dive into this Idaho versus Eastern Washington game. The last time we met, actually the last two times we met, they've been close games. Um, it, it's been unfortunate how it's ended on the Eastern Washington side. Idaho may have this stylistic matchup that can compete with Eastern Washington. Now, when we came in there in the very beginning of the year, Eastern Washington lost 21-28 at the Kibbe Dome. And this was a crazy game. You know, for one, um, Coach Best wasn't even available. He had COVID. He was not even able to travel with the game. He was not a head coach during this game. That could have been a difference maker. Andrew Boston was not on the field. And Idaho's defensive backs are horrible. Um, so there, there's some opportunities, some missed opportunities where maybe the first game we didn't have everyone we should have. Maybe that could have been the difference maker. But also, Idaho was just more physical than us. If you watch that game, there, there wasn't any part of the game where I was like, man, Eastern Washington, we look like we're going to be able to pull this out. You know, in the first half, sure, we, we looked like a decent team and it was, you know, tied going into halftime. The second half, I think Idaho just controlled us, actually. They, they beat us defensively. They were more physical. Now, yes, there was that missed field goal. Yes, there was that amazing throw with seconds left from, you know, Mike Beaudry in the end zone when it was, you know, if maybe Eastern Washington was up by three with that missed field goal, maybe they just try and set up a field goal for, to go for the tie. But since it was tied, they could risk it. You know, they had nothing to lose. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was a... It wasn't the best game for Eastern Washington. You know, Eric Berrier, he overthrew a couple couple players. But again, this was the first game. We didn't think we were going to be 100% perfect. But again, Idaho, they out-physicaled us. Hatton, he absolutely controlled us. You know, he had six receptions, 138 yards, a touchdown. Um, this was a difficult game. But now we're going to Roos Field. Idaho is like 1-12 on the road since they joined the big sky. Now, of course, they've had some FBS games in there like Penn State and, and some of these other big programs where, yeah, they weren't going to win. And my metrics are judged off of that, but they have not been a good road team since they've dropped down. The only game they have won is NAU, and that was in 2019. That's that same NAU team we destroyed by like 105. Of course, I'm exaggerating, but it was not a close game. And Idaho went to NAU, and they had what was like one of those old school Eastern Washington shootouts. You know, it was kind of like even the Idaho State game versus Eastern Washington this year. Besides, it wasn't a 40-point game. It was like a 60-point game overtime. It was it was crazy. You saw a little Mason Petrino throw seven touchdowns or some, something ridiculous. But that's the only game that they have won on the road. Last time they came to Eastern Washington, we absolutely tore them up. For some reason, and maybe it's just the matchups that they've had, they just do not play well on the road, and I don't know what it is. This year, of course, they have not won a road game. They've also never played outside this year. So this is going to be interesting. This is their first game they're playing outside. I kind of wish it was in the fall where, you know, they played in the Dome now four times. Kind of wish it was in the fall to where they wouldn't be able to prep for the outside elements or something like that. But you know what? We're going to have probably good weather. I, mean, I, <laughs> I don't think the weather is going to be too much of a defactor. But, yeah, we, we really need to play better. Um, some of the things that we really need to do, 
we need to do a better job guarding Eric Berrier this this week. Um, now, yes, I just gave him so many props that basically saying, you know, he's untouchable once he escapes a pocket. We, he can feel people once they're breathing down his neck. The difference is Idaho's defensive line. They are much more physical than any of the teams we've played so far this year. They're also more athletic. This is one of their best. I'm going to say it is their best position group uh, on their whole roster. It's their defensive line. They are doing a very good job getting to quarterbacks, stopping the run. This is the whole soul of their defense. Without the defensive line, Idaho's getting beat every single week by 17 points. That's just kind of my assumption. But their defensive line can for sure keep Idaho in this game. Eric Berrier is the fastest guy on the field. He's going to be the fastest guy on the field. But if you are scrambling 10 yards back from basically the line of scrimmage, well, these defensive linemen for that Idaho have, they're smart. They can cut off the field. They can get to Eric Berrier. They can make him throw inaccurate. And um, we kind of saw that the first game, 32, 57, 339 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He missed some throws. Now there was quite a bit of drops. There was also some touchdown drops. Hopefully it seems like every week we are cleaning that up and we really can't afford to have this many drops. Our second game versus Idaho, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting if, if we can contain the defensive line from Idaho a little bit better, Eastern Washington has a fairly good shot to win this game. Um, I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. I think it's Nicole Nair or Nicole something. Um, you know, I definitely mispronounce that because I've been listening to Tubbs at the club for the last three years, and they have been pronouncing it wrong until just this season. So I apologize, but he's their third string quarterback. I think Mike Beaudry is still injured. Um, CJ Jordan, who's man, I want to give my hats off to this kid, and I'm kind of bummed Eastern Washington didn't, didn't grab him. You know, I don't know if we recruited him. I don't know what happened, but CJ Jordan is an absolute stud. He's a freshman quarterback. He is. He's Vernon Adams-esque in the terms of his scrambling ability. He's, he doesn't have the legs quite like Eric Berrier, but he's got he's a total package quarterback, and he could be the future of Idaho. He can change this offensive scheme that Idaho has. And he was injured a couple games ago. He's a true freshman, and he got some playing time. He looked good until he was you know, injured in the game. I think it was a knee, which is a little terrifying because – he already had some injury problems in high school, and that's kind of the reason why he did not go P5. I mean, it, we'll see if he can get healthy. Um, that's one of the issues with this spring football season. You know, do you have enough time to recoup before the fall? Because I think if he is not injured, he's probably the starter in the fall. But, yeah, let, let's go through some offensive-defensive stats overall for these two teams so we can compare. So the scoring offense for Eastern Washington is 41 points per game. Idaho, 25 points a game. We've had 27 total touchdowns toward their 12. Now, of course, we have played one more game than them. But overall, offensively, we are the much better team. Scoring defense. This is where it's going to potentially surprise you guys. Scoring defense. We are number two in the big sky. 23 points per game. Idaho is giving up 26 points per game. Idaho is actually scoring less than they're giving up. They have a negative scoring margin. Eastern Washington has a very positive scoring margin. So that is promising for us. Oh, sorry. My laptop got unplugged, had to plug it back in or else this podcast would have died. So um, Idaho has given up 14 touchdowns. 
Eastern Washington has given up 15. Um, so it's, it's nothing, you know, too crazy, but we've also played one more game than them. Total offense, of course, 575 yards compared to Idaho's 396. Total defense, Eastern Washington ranks number three. Idaho ranks number seven. So even in total defense, we are the much better defensive team this year. We are giving up 370 yards a game, and we've played some of the better offenses like UC Davis, like Idaho. I mean, not Idaho. I'm sorry. UC Davis, Idaho State. Um, I guess Idaho's in the middle of the pack, so that doesn't matter. Um, but those are two of the top three offenses outside of Eastern Washington. It's Idaho State and UC Davis. And guess what? We have two wins over them. Um, here is where, you know, <clears throat> Idaho is definitely the best. And it is their defensive line. Rushing defense. Idaho, 106 yards per game. They're only giving up an average of 3.2 yards a game. Or, I mean, per, per rush. Eastern Washington, though, is not that far behind. Our defensive line is playing lights out. I'm really impressed by our defensive line as well. So we are giving up 3.6 yards, um, 135 yards a game. And then you look at, you know, the rushing offense. Well, Eastern Washington's rushing 172 yards a game. Idaho's only rushing 137. Passing offense, of course, Eastern Washington, 402. Idaho, 259. Pass defense, Eastern Washington only giving up 234 yards. Idaho is giving up 359. Idaho is giving up nine yards per pass attempt. It, when you're looking at it on paper, this should be a no-brainer. Eastern Washington should win. But they do have that defensive line that can cause some mishaps for Eric Berrier. They have a very, very strong defensive line. Their front seven is impeccable. Their linebacking group is amazing too. The only thing that's really struggling on Idaho side is their defensive backs. And right now they are the worst in the big sky. Can I, um, Eastern Washington capitalize? I hope so. It's looking promising, especially when you go down and, you know, look at really the numbers of um, kind of the individual statistics. So of course you're looking at Idaho. They have the worst defensive backs in the whole big sky. Eric Barrier is of course the number one passing option, then receptions. I mean, you have three of the top five um, receivers in the league, not in the league, in the big sky. So, you know, receiving yards a game. You have Tanner Connor from Idaho State. He is having a phenomenal year, 387 yards, three touchdowns, 117 yards a game. But then you have Lemu Jones, 116 yards a game. Then you have Freddie Roberson. 83 yards a game. Andrew Boston, 72 yards a game, and he's only played four games. We have three of the top five receivers in the big sky. I know I was on the tubs at the club, and, you know, um, Chris Hammond was like, yeah, yeah, but I don't think the Eastern Washington wide receivers are that good. They are that good. They're, they just have made some mental mistakes. I think this wide receivers group is definitely the most athletic group we've ever had the most talented group we've ever had. Are they the best? No. You know, it, it's going to, I don't think we will ever get another wide receiver group. That is Cooper cup, Kendrick Bourne and Shaq Hill. Plus you have Simba Webster. <laughs> like, you know, he, he was a what fifth guy and he's still in the NFL, but it's going to take a lot to beat that class. But in terms of pure talent, clear out pure athleticism. This is one of the best wide receiver groups we have. And also they're a mismatch for everyone. They're all big. You know, they're 6'2 to 6'5. 
they, for the FCS, especially when you have, you know, you're looking at DBs on paper, they're 5'10 now because, you know, they need to be a little faster. Our wide receivers are fast. Our wide receivers are huge compared to really most of the league. We, we are a mismatch on paper. The only thing we need to do is keep our eyes on the ball. A lot of the times what we're doing is, and you can see it, you know, they are more concerned with who's right behind them, who's going to potentially tackle them, and then they drop. Also, what I've noticed is Eric Berrier may throw the fastest ball in the big sky. I mean, it may just be really hard because there's also been a couple interceptions that he's thrown, well, potential interceptions because the other team can't catch the ball either. It's bouncing right off their hands. There's been a couple throws to our wide receivers where it's so fast. He throws us such a fast bullet that, you know, bounces off their head before the wide receivers can even close their hands. But we need to do a better job every single week, though. I can see our wide receivers are improving. They are dropping less. They are looking much better. Um, overall, man, this on paper, this is a mismatch game for Idaho. We should win. There, there shouldn't be any aspects of this team where we should be concerned on who if, if we can actually pull it out. Um, I mean, I don't. I'll give you a, I'll give you my game prediction at the end and the score and all of that. But let's let's talk a little bit about the rest of the big sky because you know I'm gonna hold this to about 30-ish minutes. So of course, number one, number two in the nation in the stats poll, number five in the nation in the committee's playoff eyes, uh Weber State. They're four and oh. They've had a couple close games recently, though. You know, a Hail Mary. If you guys haven't seen that, just Google the Hail, Hail Mary Weber State versus NAU. NAU is gonna win that game. And somehow Weber, who has a horrible offense, is able to throw a 50-yard bomb and catch the ball. They, they score the touchdown um, in the end zone. Hail Mary. It was very Aaron Rodgers-esque, so it was pretty cool to see. But Weber State is 4-0. Their next game is against Idaho State. Eastern Washington, 4-1. We are number two. Then you have UC Davis at 3-2. Um, Idaho is kind of tied at 2-2. Two two. Idaho stays below 2-3. Then NAU, Southern Utah, and Cal Poly are all down at the very bottom. So what does this mean for Eastern Washington? Well, our playoff chances are still alive. There are six auto bids or six. Um, there's there's quite a bit of auto bids, but there's six at-large bids because the MIAC is not going to get an at-large bid because they only have three teams and two of them are not playing each other. So what does this mean for really the big sky? I mean, the big sky should get two teams. You look at the history, the last, you know, three years specifically, you know, the Big Sky has had the most wins in the FCS playoffs. We sent the most teams to the quarterfinals last year. We sent the most teams to the semifinals last year. If you are looking at a weird season where there's no really out of conferences, you got to kind of lean to the past years for an example. Weber State is in the playoffs. Um, I think even if they slip up, hmm, Weber State should be in the playoffs as long as they beat Idaho State. If they beat, if they lose to Idaho State, they're probably best case scenario and at large, but who knows? Um, unless, you know, Eastern Washington loses to Idaho, then Weber State can still get the auto bid. But most likely, let's just say Weber State's in the playoffs. Idaho or Eastern Washington is in the playoffs as well as long as we can beat Idaho. I would assume a five and one record would get us one of the at larges. Um, in the stats poll, we are number nine. I think in the committee's eyes, we're just outside the top 10. Um, this UC Davis win was huge. It should push us right in that top 10 um, for the committee. Um, I mean, we will see. It was, it was a pretty dominating performance. Everyone else in the big sky, their playoff chances are pretty much gone. 
UC Davis, we ended their season. They're not going to be able to get in the playoffs at three and two. Idaho, they are two and two. Even if they win their next two games, I don't think they get into the playoffs. For one of the six at largest, you really have to be a one loss team and be in the big sky because the Missouri Valley most likely get in three teams. So two of them are going to be at largest. You're going to probably have, you know, your North Dakota or South Dakota State. And then the third one is going to be North Dakota. The CAA most likely getting one to two. So whoever wins the auto bid, you know, Delaware, James, Madison, the other one's getting in the playoffs for sure. Uh, JMU is the number one team in the committee's eyes. So uh, they have no more games scheduled. So they should be in even if they do not lose or win an auto bid. Um, just because the committee's not going to drop them from one to 18. You know, that, that makes no sense for not playing. So James, JMU is locked into the playoffs. Um, then you have teams like Richmond undefeated. You have a, you know, surging Villanova team. So the CA could realistically get one to two at larges. So now you're looking at three to potentially four of the six at larges gone. Then you look at the rest of the league. Jacksonville State is playing Murray State. This is for the OVC title. Murray State is five and oh. Jacksonville is like eight and two. Jacksonville State, even if they lose, most likely in the playoffs still because they played in the fall season. They went three and one. Their only loss was to Florida State, and then they have a bad FBS win on their resume. I don't care if it's a bad FBS win or a good FBS win. In the committee's eyes, it's an FBS win. You are in the playoffs. Um, with eight wins, they'll still have the most wins in the FCS, even if they lose in the Murray State this week. So that's probably your fifth. You know, it's either going to be there's four at large is gone right now or five. So now you have two left. The big sky most likely takes one as long as Eastern Washington takes care of business. Well, then you have one more bid left potentially or zero. Um, if you have one more bid, then they're going to really look at potentially like the Southland, even though I think the Southland is only going to get one now because Nichols kind of um, hurt their chances when they were playing the last few weeks. So you have Sam Houston who should get the auto bid then it could be a second-place team from maybe the Southland. Um, I mean, maybe Murray State from the OVC. Like I said, if they beat Jacksonville State, Jacksonville State's in. If Jacksonville State beats Murray State, Murray State is still 5-0. and They have a chance to make it. Um, so, I mean, there's very limited opportunities for teams to get into the playoffs. So our playoff hopes are still alive, but we really need to beat Idaho um, to just maintain that and really realistically lock us in. I think a win over Idaho locks us in, but it, it, you know, Idaho, it's a mismatch on paper, but we saw they've beat us the last two times. Now, again, they have not played well on the road. So uh, here is for the Kyler score prediction. And then we will end this at right around 30 minutes. Perfect timing. So score prediction on the tubs of the clubs. I said 34, 17. Um, I think I'm going to keep it there. I think we are going to be the better team. We are playing better. They're kind of not falling apart, if you will, but they definitely don't play well on the road. Now, this is Eastern Washington. This is a close game for them. They're going to get up for this team. Um, I know Chris Hammond was kind of saying, I think he even picked Eastern Washington to still win. I don't remember, but it was one of those things where he's like, Eastern Washington may not be as good as people are thinking they are. Uh, you know, there was comparison on the tubs of the club that Eastern Washington was going to win 52 to 10. You know, I think that was by Dallas hammer. Um, Brian Marceau said Eastern Washington is going to absolutely murder them too. Chris said, no, this is not the same Eastern Washington team as years past. He doesn't think we're that good. Um, he doesn't really believe 
in our offense ability. It seems like that much. And he thinks Idaho has a perfect style to upset Eastern Washington. And they do with that one, one specific positions group, their defensive line. Other than that, they have no business being in the same league as Eastern Washington, but that defensive line can cause a lot of problems for our offense. And if they are on and they're playing a phenomenal game, this game 100% could be close. I don't think they are going to be as on. I think we are going to, you know, be able to, I think we're going to be able to disrupt Idaho's defense a little bit more. We know exactly what to expect from them. Now we know how bad their DBs are and how improved our whole offense is. So I don't think they're going to be able to really move the ball as well. Um, first our defense. And I think offensively we will be better than we were the first game of the year. So yeah, 30, 34, 17 Eastern Washington wins. We secure our bid for the playoffs and hopefully we are all rooting for Idaho state this weekend, because if Idaho state beats Weber state, Eastern Washington most likely gets the auto bid. And the reason is, okay, they'll both be, I guess, Weber State had a cancellation game, so they will be five and or four and one. We'll be five and one if if it all wins. So we'll have one more win than them. But what matters in the Big Skies committee is first head to head. We don't play we don't play Weber. Then it will be common opponents. Well, Weber would be three and one versus our common opponents. Eastern Washington would be three and zero. Oh. We would be undefeated versus the common opponents. They would have a loss. Then let's say even that is a wash because they're both three wins. Then they look at what is it, Sagarian ratings? Well, the Sagarian, we are above Weber State too, which is weird. I don't know why a conference would utilize, you know, a rating system, an analytical system to say who is better than the other. Um, there's not there's there's a lot of good data and there's a lot of merit in it, but they also use like historic data and. You know, if you look at it, the Missouri Valley gets a little bit too much love. Um, Eastern Washington in years past has gotten a little bit too much love. Um, so I don't, it's, it's weird that a big sky conference would utilize this. I would just say, hey, common opponents, what's the scoring margin before between them if you are not doing a head to head? And Eastern Washington should still win that one. But um, yeah, we are all going to root for Idaho State this week just so we can secure that automatic playoff berth. Um, but even if, Weber wins like I think they will. I think they kind of dominate Idaho State. Well, if we take care of business, we beat Idaho. We should still be in the playoffs. That's all I have for you guys, man. Thanks for listening. Uh, drop a like, a subscribe. You can listen to us anywhere where we live or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever. Also, we have YouTube. Just, just Google Eagles Power Hour, man. You can find all of the podcasts. Listen, you can find the YouTube. You can find us on social media. You can really do whatever you want. Here is my little name at Kyler EPH. You can follow me. You can troll me. You can do whatever you want. That is on Twitter. But yeah, man, join the fun. Hopefully let's get a win this weekend and boom, go Eags.